0: Believe they're where the Lord wants them tonight um, in this week. Give honor to, to Elder Hart here and my my dad. I give him honor. I was thinking about it the other day. I kind of have to give him extra honor because he's my father. So I'm supposed to honor my father <laughs> and my mother. Um, but he's also a spiritual authority, so it's like it's a lot of honor I gotta give to one guy, but I'm thankful for. For him for my mom i'm thankful for the flowers i give them honor tonight for our bishop for sister schoonover uh, for all of the ministry for elder laksamana for the west side for you all here i give you guys honor being here on a thursday night man i know thursday nights are usually kind of my chill night <laughs> so i can imagine for you it's towards the end of the week starting to think about the weekend. But I believe God has something in store for us here together, Amen. I, um, I'm just excited. I'm excited to share. I'm just excited to share with you what the Lord has has given me. As we as we think about surrender, I told you, I feel like we're just going to kind of flow with that that song. Um, you know, a lot of times there's there's things in life that that come that uh the lord uses as as tests to to see if we're going to truly surrender and submit to him to his to his will to his plan and a lot of times those things they they come in the form of uh frustration or they cause frustration they come come through our job a lot of times and feeling like that uh or hitting our head against a wall uh, or whatever, you you probably know the, the situations that that just try you, that test you. You, you know them best for yourself, I'm sure. Uh, and oftentimes it can feel like the world's against you. The enemy is trying to destroy you. But I think we have to slow down sometimes and, and step back and look and see that maybe God is not in those things trying to cause us to just surrender trying to cause us to just fully submit our will to him and you know god doesn't necessarily do bad things to to good people you know you hear that saying why does god let good bad things happen to good people but he doesn't necessarily all the time but we have our own will and we have the choice to to submit to him or try in our own strength and our own ability to figure things out. And that's what I want to talk a little bit, bit about tonight. Um, I have a lot of scripture so I'm going to kind of read quickly. First first passage if you'll turn with me to Psalms chapter 18 in verse starting in verse 2. I'm going to talk tonight about about horns. I know it's a little little bit little bit odd. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody preach a message about horns, but we're going to try. I was I was while you're turning you here a lot of pages, I was talking to somebody before service and standing there realizing that my pants are kind of short. <laughs> And usually, I I would probably wear them up even higher, and so they would probably be good a uh, couple inches above my shoes. But hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'll be that short up here as well. <laughs> Maybe not as short, but short nonetheless. <laughs> Sister Armenia turned and said, "Are those Jerry's pants?" <laughs> she she said that earlier for real. <laughs> Or maybe she said I should give him to Jerry. <laughs> Can't remember. Don't quote me. Everyone got it? Hopefully we're all uh, loose now, ready to receive. Psalms 18 chapter or 18 verse 2 says the Lord is my rock and my fortress. That that makes me think about the the verse in the New Testament that talks about how we we have the option, the choice to fall upon the rock or have the rock fall upon us, to crush us and grind us like powder. And um, it's kind of implied that the better choice there is to choose to fall on the rock <laughs> rather than have it fall on you. The Lord is, he's our rock. He's, he's a strong thing. He's a, he's a firm thing that we can trust in, we can stand on. He's our fortress and my deliverer. My God, my, my strength. Everybody say that with me, my strength. My strength. And we can, we can say that, but we cannot easily forget that sometimes, that God is our strength. And in whom I will trust. My, my buckler and the horn of my salvation. As I told you we're going to talk about horns a little bit tonight. He's the horn of my salvation, and all those those things you know they're different. It's different words, different you know adjectives and whatnot. But it all it's it's pointing to to God. It's pointing to to Christ. They all are descriptors of of Him and what He is. He's our strength. He's that. He's a rock, which represents strength. And um, we're we're gonna look at it more here. But a horn, it it op- often represents strength and authority in in scripture. And so he's the horn of, of our salvation and my high tower. Uh, chapter, or Verse 3, oh, I'm getting chapter and verse mixed up. Verse 3, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Man, that's really the key right there in this passage that, that our response is to call upon him he can be he can be strength he can be a rock he can be a fortress he can be a strong tower but if we never choose to call upon him then he's just over there being strong being being the horn of salvation salvation but just waiting for us to activate those things waiting for us to allow him to be those things in our life and so it's important that we call upon the lord amen We must call upon him and remember that he is our strength. Um, there's there's actually a lot of I've never studied this before until just recently, but there's a lot of mentions of of horns in scripture. And I love it because you guys I can tell you guys are like, where in the world is he going with this? (laughs) I just I see some of the stares. It's okay. I'll stay in the I'll stay in the Bible tonight. I promise. Um but, you know, horns, right? If, if anybody, Brother TJ is not here tonight, but he's a hunter. I know uh, Brother Adrian's a hunter, too, a little bit. There might be some others. But, you know, typically if, if you're a hunter and you hunt deer, uh, oftentimes the, the deer with the biggest antlers is that's kind of, it's called the trophy buck, right? And that's kind of the goal. You want you want to find the one and get the one that has the biggest, biggest antlers, um, kind of for bragging rights, kind of probably for pride, uh, reasons, <laughs> but for the same, in the same reason that the, that the deer has those big antlers, it's because it's a symbol of, of his strength. It's a symbol of his, his power and authority. And, uh, you see the same thing with, with rams and we, you know, we have the, the elk feeding station and in that same area going towards past Natchez. you can a lot of times see, see, I think they're rams or sheep, longhorn uh, sheep out there. And not all the time, but a lot of times the ones with the bigger horns uh, ha- have the the more dominant role in those those flocks, those herds. And so man saw this in nature, and this goes back all the way to to ancient times, you know, Egypt and Mesopotamia. And uh, you'll you can see it if you look up like Egyptian, you know hieroglyphics or their their things on the walls and uh, all those things. You can see a lot of their headpieces that they had with big horns on them, and uh, that y- you can also see a lot of weird stuff with that. Got as as it just happens, it gets twisted and uh, gets pretty weird. But but that's kind of what it represents in in scripture when we see a, a lot of the times it represents strength. It represents an authority. And uh, so we see kind of this contrast in scripture of individuals who whose their their horn, so to speak, is mentioned. I I know it sounds weird, but we'll read it. So, for example, Psalms and you don't have to turn there. I'm going to go quickly, but this is just kind of set some some context, some groundwork. So you so you'll quit looking at me crazy. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Psalms 132, 17, though, says you can turn there so you believe me. If, if that helps uh, psalms 132 17 uh the, speaking of of david says therefore or there will i make the horn of david to bud i have ordained a lamp for mine anointed his enemies will i clothe with shame but upon himself shall his crown flourish so if you'll notice there, it's his, his horn budding and his crown flourishing, is they're interconnected. It's one and the same. His horn is, is, is representative of, of his crown, his his authority, his his kingship, that, that place that God was was going to give him. And um, so there's a little bit of, of context for you. So um, sorry, I'm trying to, I have a lot of verses, I'm trying to figure out order to go in here so let's jump backwards here to psalms 75 and verse 5 so we we just read there about david if you if you notice if you caught it that was the lord speaking saying i will make the horn of david to bud and i will um cause his crown to to flourish that's kind of the key. That's the key there as well. It's God that's, that's doing that. It's God that's, that's causing him to be elevated, that's bringing him. And if, if you know the story of David, you know he had opportunities to try to put himself in the role of the king multiple times. Saul, a man who, who the Lord said, I, I'm stripping the kingdom from because of his sin and disobedience. And David, a humble man, a man after God's own heart, put into a place of of running and and a test. He was put into a test to see if he would surrender, to see if he would raise his hand in his own strength and ability to try to get himself into his place of as a king. He he'd been anointed all this time that he's running from Saul. David had already been anointed and knew. I'm gonna be in that place someday. But the timing had not yet come. And so that that was the test of I know this is gonna happen. I know I've been anointed for it, but the time for it hasn't come yet. And Saul, you see, you see David's actions towards Saul. And when others would try to get him to raise his hand against Saul, he would scold them. He would say, No, I'm not gonna lift my hand against him because he's still the Lord's anointed. And I have a, a fear of the Lord and of the Lord's anointed. And so he was he was honoring, he was respecting the the crown, but also that authority, that role that God had put Saul in. And he was he was enduring the test. He was enduring the trial. And I, David he he passed, right? He didn't kill Saul. He waited until God lifted him up. Now, Psalm 75, verse five says To lift not up your horn on high. It's not something we can do ourselves. Lift up ourselves to a place of strength or authority. Speak not with a stiff neck. I've been really trying with this one. My neck has been (laughs) stiff lately. Like, Lord, I'm trying to obey the scripture. (laughs) Had to go in the mall to that asian guy the other day and get a massage he's that guy's my buddy because man i don't want to i don't want to speak with a stiff neck (laughs) verse 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 number six watch this again thinking of thinking of david says for promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south Promotion doesn't come from any other direction but from God. Verse 7, but God is the judge. He puts down one and setteth up another. And we see that example again with, with David and Saul. It was God that put Saul in that place, and then it was God that sat him down and then put David in that place. It wasn't David's responsibility to put himself in the role, even though he knew it was God's will. God's will also involves God's time. And he had to wait for that. And that's probably the hardest part, <laughs> the timing of God, going through the the trying of our faith that worketh patience, knowing that it's it's through that trying that we, we get tested, we get proven to see if if we're going to come out as as gold as the bible says uh, another place i read here kind of shows this example again is first samuel chapter 2 i'm just sort of sort of building my case with you guys tonight as we talk about horns second samuel chapter 2 verse 1 this is after this is if if you don't know the story in samuel this is after um this woman Hannah, she she couldn't have a child. And so she she was at the house of the Lord just praying. She'd been praying, she'd been fasting, and she prayed and cried so much that the priest thought she was drunk because she was just sobbing. And uh, long story short, of that chapter, the Lord gives her a child, and his name was Samuel. And so chapter two starts in first in Samuel chapter two, it starts with with Hannah. Uh, making a a song to the lord she's singing a song of praise to the lord because he answered her prayer he gave her he gave her a son and uh we'll start with verse number one hannah prayed and said my heart rejoiceth in the lord mine horn is exalted in the lord and my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. Jump down to verse seven. It says, "The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill. To set them among princes, and to make them inherit the throne. Of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. And watch watch verse nine. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. That, that means by man's strength. By man's ability, they're not going to be able to prevail over the saints who have trusted in God. Verse 10 the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Man, I love that. I love that. They'll be broken to pieces. We'll we'll look at that more here in a bit. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends. Of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. And promotion comes from the Lord. And he, I, I I'm just so thankful too that the adversaries of the Lord, they'll be broken into pieces by the Lord, not by not by us going out there and picking up a. Picketing sign, or picking up a stone, picking up a whatever, <laughs> to go try to fight a battle against our adversaries. Of course, we're we're in a spiritual battle, but that's not in the flesh. That's that's in the prayer room on our knees. That's out when we're witnessing to people, pulling them out of darkness. But I'm I'm so thankful that my strength comes from the Lord. That He's my fortress. That He is my strong tower. That that when it's time for me to be lifted up, when it's time for me to be put into a new position, a new place, a new season, that it's God who does it. That it's not something that I have to worry about trying to make happen on my own. Trying to feel like, ah, I got to, man, this coworker, they, they must be my adversary. I think that, that one probably hit home. <laughs> it does for me. And no, not even any person specific. It's just kind of, you just feel it, right? Sometimes it's like, man, they're just against me. (laughs) And sometimes in a sense they are, but it's not, I don't believe always knowingly, it's just the pride of people, the pride of humanity that they want to be exalted, especially in a secular worldly sense and in a job when people are literally trying to get promotion, they're trying to get elevated They're, you know, they want to be seen by the boss as doing good, doing better. So sometimes you got suck up, sometimes you got, you know, whatever, and, and that's okay. But we get our promotion from the Lord in a secular sense and in a spiritual sense. In life, our promotion comes from the Lord and he fights our battles. Um, where do we want to go from here? So the opposite of, of us choosing to humble ourselves, because that's really what surrendering is, is humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God by casting all of our care on him and knowing that in due season. He will lift us up in due season he will exalt us that's what humility is is not trying to take anything into our own hands but there's a few examples that i want to look at tonight of of what happens when somebody or something tries to take things into their own hands um, probably the the best example or the worst example however you want to look at it is Isaiah chapter fourteen and starting in verse thirteen. Putting you to work tonight, Luis. How, how many how many here have ever heard of uh, Lucifer? <laughs> a couple people. Yeah, he's not a he's not a very not a very good guy. And the very i think it's amazing because the very first instance we see of of this in scripture is with Lucifer, with Satan. We're gonna read it here, Isaiah 14, verse 13. If I said the verse already, there we go. This is Lucifer speaking, and he says, Well, this is someone speaking of what he said. Thou hast said in thine heart. Now, before I even read the rest, the Lord's been dealing with me about humility, and I I I read this statement the other day that really hit me because it made me have to acknowledge some areas of pride. <laughs> and the statement was, "You can do all the humble things; you can walk humbly, however that looks." <laughs> You can, you know, talk like a humble person. You can do all those humble things externally, but you can be prideful in your heart, be prideful in your mind, and never have to open your mouth. The, the uh, comparison that this man made in the book I was reading was that arrogance has a voice. Arrogance speaks and, and exalts itself, whatever, but pride can be done Privately in our heart, in our mind. That's why in Philippians it says, in lowliness of mind, steaming our brothers above ourselves. It's a place of, of humility that doesn't even think about myself before it thinks about my brother. And not thinking about my brother and man, I wish I could be doing what they're doing. I wish I got that job. I wish whatever. Not thinking about them like that. But thinking about them, and I wish that man, I wish great things for them. I wish, yeah, I'm not gonna say that. (laughs) I'll tell him in private, my my personal brother. (laughs) Amen. Okay, let's continue reading. I will ascend into heaven. This is again, this is the words of Lucifer. This is what we don't want to do. Try to do ourselves. Cause this is the worst. This is in the the worst again. The worst of the greatest example of it. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. See, that's that's a big problem. <laughs> if he has his own throne, how did that? How did that even happen? I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. If you ever need an example of of pride. Just come to this this scripture. In the sides of the north, verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Not smart. (laughs) But, again, if we're not careful, we may not say these words, because if you remember where it started, Lucifer said it in his heart. He didn't have to verbalize it through his mouth. He said it in his heart. So we have to examine our own hearts. If only you and God can examine your heart. A doctor can examine your heart, but they can't examine the intentions of your heart. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I'm, I'm hurrying. Verse 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Yeah, you, we can think that we're going to exalt ourselves, lift ourselves up, but that's ultimately what happens. And it's extreme, and it's we can say, well, that was just for Lucifer, but no, if we are filled with with pride, if we're filled with a spirit of self-exaltation, of self-promotion, that's the end result i'm going to move move on quickly i have a couple more couple more verses to kind of bring this bring this home uh daniel chapter 7 verse 7 this making making sense so far talking about horns we're gonna gonna get back into talking about horns in this passage daniel chapter 7 and verse 7 now don't get don't get um, hung up here on the, um, I guess, allegory or imagery of of Daniel, uh, but just just stay with me. Go back and go back and study it later. Daniel seven verse seven says, "After this, I saw the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly." Okay. Sorry, I keep, I keep doing this, but I got to give some background. So Daniel, he's, he's having this dream vision, seeing all these beasts. It's a vision from the Lord of really all the way to end-time prophecy. We're going to look at a verse here in a moment. I'm not going to try to get into that. Um, but before Daniel had this dream, this vision, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he had, a, he had another dream and vision that paralleled this one. So Daniel had one that was with different pictures, with different images, but they meant the same thing. And when you look at them, study them in scripture, you can see that clearly. But Nebuchadnezzar, his dream was of this great statue that coincidentally had him at the top. (laughs) Talk about pride. Um, He was the head of the statue made out of gold. The head was. and long story short like i said i'm trying to get get to a different point here but this is background essentially the the prophecy of of that vision that dream was was of these end-time kingdoms and and uh governments of of the world there was the uh, babylonians were represented the grecians the persians the romans there was many different world powers that were represented in that dream that god gave nebuchadnezzar and he was the head of it. He was the world power at that time, Babylon. Um, and then so here where we're reading, and I just give you that summary quickly so it'll make more sense. Here where we're reading is Daniel having his dream vision that lines up with, with Nebuchadnezzar's. And that'll make more sense here in a second. So he saw this night vision, and he's he's seen three other beasts before this, which represented Babylon and then the other parts of the statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw. Now he sees a fourth beast, and this fourth beast was dreadful and terrible uh, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. There's the horns again. And verse 8, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. Pretty creepy, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's because that represents the end time kingdom of this world and the antichrist is that little horn that rises up and the 10 again i know this is there's a lot this is a lot but i'm just trying to get to the the point of this the 10 horns represented 10 kings at that time and three of them were removed as this one then comes up into a place of of authority his time for a season for a short time short season and he had a mouth speaking great things the devil has a big mouth if you haven't realized that already he's got a big mouth and oftentimes that's that's the that's the main way that he gets us to trip up that he gets us to fall into pride to fall into sin is by just opening his big mouth and saying you can't do that. No, you you really can't. You, you're not you're not strong enough. You know what your response needs to be to that? You're right. I'm not strong enough. But the Lord is my strength, <laughs> and He's much stronger <laughs> than you are. I, I don't I don't have the verses here, but I I, sh, I should have. It's it's there in Daniel. I think it's the same chapter when when nebuchadnezzar saw his his vision of of this this statue that represented the same thing and his the statue it had at the bottom was feet with 10 toes obviously um but those 10 toes were parallel to the 10 horns that daniel saw the kingdoms they represented kings in and in time and what he saw in his vision watch this this is so amazing with where we just read earlier in Psalm or wherever we read about him crushing our adversaries. They'll be broken into pieces. It was Samuel chapter 7. What happens in Nebuchadnezzar's dream was he sees this this stone hewn out of of a mountain. It was hewn out and came and crushed the 10 toes of this statue. It crushed the kingdoms of the world and, and the Antichrist. That was, that was Jesus, that was the Lord. He is our rock, he is our fortress. And it didn't stop there in, in that prophecy, it didn't stop at just a stone coming, it then turned into a great mountain, a great place of refuge, a place that we can hide in, that we can run to and be safe, amen. Does that give anybody faith tonight? I know that's, I I didn't mean to get it that deep into all that, but it's, that's powerful. That's, that's not just something that God has done. It, he's, he has the victory over death, hell and the grave, but that's something he's still going to do because this world is not headed in the right direction and it's going to come to an end someday, but not before it, it turns for a short period. To a kingdom that's then overtaken by the Antichrist, and I I believe personally we won't be here. Well, we'll, I think we'll come back with the Lord, but that's for a different time, but we get to still see it. We get to still believe it, because he's still that rock. He's still that fortress. He's still the one that we call upon when we know that we're weak, when we know that we can't do it. Okay, I'm finishing. A couple quick ending verses. A few other uses of horns in Scripture that I just find so, so beautiful. And you, you all are probably familiar with them. You might just not be thinking of them at the moment. But one of the uses of, of horns that we see in Scripture is, is to, to pour oil upon people that were being anointed. And I just, that's just so beautiful to me, especially you look at all these other scriptures of the horn and it being a symbol of strength, but it's also something used to just pour out of upon something else to anoint it. And an example of this, 1 Samuel sixteen thirteen. then Samuel, he took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. This is speaking of him anointing uh, David and the spirit of the lord came upon david there it is from that day forward so samuel rose up and went to ramah another example first 1 kings 139 zadok the priest took a horn of oil out of the tabernacle and he anointed solomon he anointed him king and then the last example this one is of all those well of course the lord being the horn of our salvation is the most beautiful but this one is the second most beautiful to me and you guys you can all stand with me so you know i'm finishing so we all wake up <laughs> and you know one of the and i there there may be more i didn't see. There could have been more I didn't see, but one of the other places that we see horns in Scripture is on the corners of the altar. On the corners of the altar. And the altar was used in the in the tabernacle during a time when the priests came and made made sacrifices daily. And one of the things they would do is they would take blood from those sacrifices and they would put it upon the horns of the altar. Another, and I'm not gonna read all these verses, but instance that we see there's multiple places in, in Kings and that we see the horns being used is for criminals. They're seeking a place of asylum and they run and seize hold upon the horns of the altar. A criminal who knows that they're a criminal, they knows that they've done wrong, and they run. You can find that in first kings chapter one and, and chapter two. If you want to fact check it. <laughs> but isn't that so beautiful when we think about the fact that the Lord is the horn of our salvation. And this gives me so much just like understanding and clarity. I've always been like, man, you know, I know they're powerful, but what do we really come to the altar for in church services? God's not down here more than he's back there. (laughs) But you know what it is? It's where we started. It's a, it's a sign of a sign that we're almost done. <laughs> no, the altar is, is a sign of surrender. It's a sign of, of dying to our will, to ourself, to the pride that says, I want to be exalted. I want to lift myself up. I want to have a higher position. That's what the altar is for place to run to to grab hold on the horns of and know that we can there present our bodies a living sacrifice man that's holy and acceptable unto god which is our reasonable service he doesn't ask of us anything that's unreasonable but he says hey i'm the horn of your salvation I'm the rock and your fortress, your strong tower. All you have to do, call upon me. Call upon me. Run to me, <laughs> grab hold the horns, the altar. You know one other, the last the last place, I'll, I'll read this verse, and then I'm gonna open these altars. Psalms. Chapter 118, verse 27 says this. It says, God is the Lord, which hath showed us light. Watch this. It says, bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. You know, we because we're living sacrifices, we put ourselves on the altar, we have the option to get back up. Every single day, we have the choice. Get back up. We're still living in this flesh, this body that has a will, that has pride, that has to be put back on the altar again. But those we know those horns are there, though. That with cords, with disciplines of prayer daily, with disciplines of his word that are cords, threefold cord is not easily broken. We combine ourselves with the cord to the horns. Of the altar and say no flesh I'm not letting you rise up pride you're not rising up because I'm submitting myself under the hand of the Almighty man. Because God is my strength God is my refuge man can we just can we respond to the Lord tonight I think it'd be fitting if this altar is open it's if you feel drawn if you would just come tonight can we come and just surrender to the Lord upon the altar for a few moments I feel him stirring us in this house. I feel the the sovereignty of God in this place and his love just beckoning us.